This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Plenio Correa de Oliveira, Man of Faith and Action, Part 1. Usually the Return to Order Moment brings its listeners articles written about current events from a traditional Catholic perspective. Occasionally, we discuss historical events. However, our favorite articles come from the pen of the International TFP Movement's founder, Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira. He was a man with an active mind, totally devoted to the Catholic Church. Many people would see a conflict between those two characteristics. He did not. He saw Holy Mother Church as a subject that one could study for a lifetime and still not completely understand. Professor Plinio was especially adept at relating Catholic truths to world events. Indeed, many events that occurred after Professor Plinio's death have confirmed his insights. Professor Plinio passed away on October 3, 1995. A week later, the American TFP released a retrospective of his life and career. We pray that the listeners will find it interesting and inspirational. Due to the length of this document, the Return to Order moment will present it over two episodes. So now, we present part one of Plenio Correa de Alavera, Man of Faith and Action. The life of Plenio Correa de Oliveira spanned most of our convulsed century, indelibly marking it with his unblemished example, his consistent and vibrant thought, his steadfast Roman Catholic faith, his intrepid defense of the principles he professed, and his deep devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, to whom he consecrated himself in his early youth as a slave of love according to the teaching of St. Louis de Montfort. In her he placed all his hopes. On this sorrowful occasion, filled with the hope engendered by the faith, the directors, members, and supporters of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, with the other 24 autonomous TFPs and kindred organizations on six continents, wish to render him grateful homage. His writings and work inspired the founding of all these organizations, and in these troubled times he guided, above all by his example, the ideological fight for Christian civilization. Simply but eloquently, the facts speak for themselves in the rendering of this homage. We present here, therefore, highlights of the life and work of this gifted man, whose merits and valor history will honor. Peniel Correa de Oliveira was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, on December 13, 1908. His father, Dr. João Paulo Correa de Oliveira, and his mother, Dona Lucilia Ribeiro de Santos, had distinguished lineages. Sugar plantation owners in the state of Pernambuco, the Correa de Oliveiras descended from the heroes of the 17th century war against the Dutch. Family members included such outstanding public figures as Councillor João Alfredo Correa de Oliveira, life senator of the empire and member of Emperor Pedro II's Privy Council. As Prime Minister, João Alfredo enacted the Golden Law, which abolished slavery in Brazil on May 13, 1888. Plinio Correa de Oliveira's grandfather, Leo de Jario Correa de Oliveira, was this famous statesman's brother. His mother, Dona Lucilia, was one of the 400-year Paulistas, descendants of the founders or settlers of the city of Sao Paulo. 
Several of her ancestors were famous bandeirantes, the armed explorers of Brazil's colonization. Her ancestor, Professor Gabriel José Rodríguez dos Santos, who distinguished himself during the reign of Emperor Pedro II, held a chair at the Law School of Sao Paulo and was a renowned orator and congressman. An incomparable educator, Dona Lucilia, with her characteristic gentleness, nourished in the soul of her son a devotion to the Roman Catholic faith, for which he would battle throughout his life. When surrendering her soul to God, this traditional Paulista lady received a son's greatest eulogy. Quote, Mother taught me to love our Lord Jesus Christ. She taught me to love the Holy Catholic Church. Unquote. After a childhood under the solicitous gaze of his mother, Plinio Correa de Oliveira entered the Jesuit Colegio São Luis in Sao Paulo. Already much given to logic, he developed there a lifelong admiration for the methods and formation of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Unfortunately, he also countered moral dissoluteness, vulgarity, and egalitarianism in a significant number of classmates. Confronted with the contrast between their way of life and the chaste and traditional atmosphere of his home, he resolved to dedicate his life to the defense of the church and the restoration of Christian civilization. How could anyone not admire a person who, with a rosy future before him, chose a life consecrated to principles brutally contested by many? Plinio Correa de Oliveira clearly possessed the prerequisites for material success in intellectual, political, and professional pursuits. In him, Lineage and personal qualities of mind and soul were harmoniously linked. Had he conformed to the prevailing winds of moral decline and religious indifferentism, all the doors to a brilliant career would have been open. With his Catholic faith and courage, he charted another course for his life. He summarized his decision in resounding words. When still very young, I marveled at the ruins of Christendom, gave them my heart, turned my back on all I could expect, and made of that past full of blessings my future. In September of 1928, Plinio Correa de Oliveira, a 19-year-old university student, attended a Catholic Youth Congress. This was his first contact with the Marian congregations, then just beginning to expand. In them, he found an ambiance receptive to the ideals and ideas that had been taking shape in his spirit from childhood. He began the noble feats of his public life. Noted for the talents divine providence had given him, he flourished as an orator and man of action, becoming the leading figure of Brazil's Catholic movement. In 1929, Joined by a few fellow students who also belonged to the Marian congregations, he founded Catholic University Action, CUA, at the historic law school of Sao Paulo, a secularist bastion. CUA grew in numbers and influence and quickly spread to the other universities in Sao Paulo. When elections were called at the end of 1932 for Brazil's Constitutional Convention, Plinio Correa de Oliveira proposed and helped organize the Catholic Editorial League. 
With its support, he was elected to Congress as the country's youngest representative at the age of 24. He received the largest number of votes, twice as many as the next successful candidate in the state of Sao Paulo. He served as one of the leaders of the Catholic Congressional Bloc. The testimony of people who cannot be suspected of bias in his favor provides an idea of his decisive role at this crossroads of Brazilian history. In the words of Oswaldo Aranha, who headed several ministries and later served as an ambassador to the United States and president of the UN General Assembly, quote, Brazil would be definitively to the left today if the Catholics had not united to intervene in the elections of 1933. Much later, former Minister of Justice Paulo Brossard would affirm, In the history of Brazil, no independent political organization had more influence than the Catholic Electoral League. Unquote. At the end of his congressional term, Plenio Correa de Oliveira devoted himself to university teaching. He assumed the chair of History of Civilization at the University College of the University of Sao Paulo Law School and subsequently the chair of Modern and Contemporary History in the Pontifical Catholic University of Sao Paulo's Sao Bento and Sede Sapiente Departments of Philosophy, Science, and Literature. He also dedicated himself to philosophical and religious analysis of the contemporary crises. Legionario, a parish paper that became the semi-official weekly organ of the Diocese of Sao Paulo under his direction, records many of his penetrating insights. His critical observation of the march of events often led him to foretell the future with uncanny accuracy. For instance... At the peak of Nazism's political clash with communism, when even most opponents of Nazism considered it a true enemy of communism, few would have dared to predict an agreement between Hitler and Stalin. Consequently, Plinio Correa de Oliveira surprised readers when he categorically anticipated this approximation. Quote, As the various camps defined themselves, one movement became clearer— namely, the doctrinal fusion of Nazism with Communism. In our view, 1939 will see the completion of this fusion. Unquote. Eight months later, Germany and Russia signed the Ribbentrop-Molotov non-aggression pact, as well as secret protocols on the German and Soviet spheres of influence in Eastern Europe. As the Nazi-Communist collaboration intensified, Plinio Correa de Oliveira warned, quote, The Germano-Russian pact was a mistake, for it unmasked Nazism's pseudo-anti-communism. Soon enough, Hitler and Stalin might once again play enemies to scare the bourgeois and fool the public, unquote. On December 8, 1940, Months before Nazi Germany's stunning invasion of Russia, he insisted, quote, Legionario has repeatedly affirmed that the Nazi-Soviet masquerade may start anew at any time, and that today or tomorrow, Moscow and Berlin may well reenact the farce of mutual antagonism that brought them such sizable advantages, unquote. 
Antonio Correa de Oliveira maintained a vigorous editorial policy against Nazism and fascism at a time when they had numerous and influential sympathizers in Brazil, even in the ranks of the clergy. Against the prevailing fashion, Legionario published 2,489 articles attacking Nazism and fascism, 447 of them written by Plinio Correa de Oliveira himself. In 1943, as president of the Archdiocesan Board of Catholic Action in Sao Paulo, Professor Correa de Oliveira published his first book, In Defense of Catholic Action, with a foreword by the papal nuncio to Brazil, Bento Aloisi Marcella, later cardinal and camerlengo of the Holy Roman Church. A keen analysis of the first stages of the progressivist and leftist infiltration of Catholic action? This work denounces a movement along with the laity to undermine the Church's principle of authority. In the social realm, this movement repudiated just and harmonious inequalities and advocated class struggle. In a few years, events confirmed the book's thesis. For example, the leftist infiltration of the sectors of the Brazilian clergy reached enormous proportions. The Holy See eloquently validated the book's denunciation. Monsignor Giovanni B. Montini, then Substitute Secretary of State of the Holy See, and later Pope Paul VI, wrote the author in the name of Pius XII, quote, his Holiness is very pleased with you for having explained and defended Catholic action with penetration and clarity. The August Pontiff hopes with all his heart that this work of yours results in rich and mature fruits, and that from it you may harvest neither small nor few consolations. And as a pledge that it be so, he grants you the apostolic blessing." Unquote. Paradoxically, even though 20 prominent Brazilian bishops praised the book in writing, the harshest criticism of it came from other members of the ecclesiastical hierarchy, whose rights and authority the author was defending. The book achieved its author's goal. Progressivism was definitely unmasked in Brazil and would never again advance under the guise of piety. Catholic public opinion thenceforth viewed progressivism with suspicion. Lacking arguments to refute the book, progressivists among the clergy resorted to destroying Plinio Carrera de Oliveira's means of action. He suffered a storm of calumnies, was removed from leadership positions among the Catholic laity, and finally lost one of his main forums, Legionario. Little did these progressivists realize that they were creating conditions for the founding of the TFP. With his few associates from Legionario gathered around him, Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira launched the cultural monthly Catholicismo, whose principal contributor he would remain until his last days. Catholicismo became one of the poles throughout the Brazilian Catholic press, and its renown crossed the borders of the country and even the oceans. The expansion of the Legionario Remnant gave rise in 1960 to the Brazilian Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. 
In a materialistic world that had turned its back on the past, raising a standard around this trilogy was so daring that many deemed it fatal madness. Yet today, the triad tradition, family, property is a point of reference on six continents, a beacon amid the darkness of contemporary chaos. In 25 countries, TFP organizations unceasingly proclaim that only in fidelity to the eternal principles of revealed truth taught by the Holy Catholic Church can one build an authentic civilization, Christian civilization. Revolution and Counter-Revolution is Plinio Correa de Oliveira's magnum opus, first published in 1959 and expanded in 1976 and 1992. It has appeared in numerous editions in the Americas and Europe. It is the handbook of the directors, members, and supporters of the TFPs and like organizations around the world, all of them inspired by this magisterial work and the singular example of its author. Revolution and Counter-Revolution is a philosophical, historical, and sociological analysis of the crises of the Western world from the advent of humanism, the Renaissance, and Protestantism to our day. It decisively demonstrates the correlation between these movements and the French Revolution of 1789, the Russian Revolution of 1917, the student rebellions of the 1960s with their espousal of sexual freedom along with socio-political and economic concepts later promoted as self-managing socialism, and the present transformations in the former Soviet bloc and in the West. These developments are but stages of a single Gnostic and egalitarian process, which for five centuries has been destroying Christian civilization and the benefic temporal influence of the Holy Catholic Church. Plinio Correa de Oliveira named this process revolution and responds to it with the counter-revolution, whose goals and methods he outlines. It is a noble call that calls contemporary men to reject the revolution in toto and to restore the Christian spiritual and temporal orders to their full splendor. Many distinguished figures from the clergy and the laity have highly recommended revolution and counter-revolution. The internationally renowned canonist Father Anastasio Gutierrez, CMF, co-founder of the Institutum Eruticum Clarentianum of Rome and consultant to several Vatican dicasteries, wrote, quote, Revolution and Counter-Revolution is a masterful work whose teachings should be disseminated far and wide so as to penetrate the conscience, not only of those who consider themselves truly Catholic, but I would say even more of all men of goodwill. In sum, I would dare to affirm that this is a prophetic work in the most elevated sense of the word. It should be taught in the church's centers of higher education. This letter would not be complete unless I congratulated the TFP for the stature and quality of its founder, Professor Plinio. 
I foresee a vast development and a future full of counter-revolutionary successes for the TFP, something I desire with all my soul. I conclude, stating that the spirit with which this work is written greatly impresses me. It is a profoundly Christian spirit, one with a passionate love for the Church. This book is an authentic product of Christian wisdom. It is moving to find a layman with such a sincere devotion to the Mother of Jesus and ours, a clear sign of predestination. Unquote. The doctrines expounded in Revolution and Counter-Revolution are the most faithful expression of the ideal and goals Plinio Correa de Oliveira strove for throughout his long and fruitful life. In it, we find the words that best define Plinio Correa de Oliveira, the counter-revolutionary par excellence. Quote, the real counter-revolutionary is one who knows the revolution, order, and counter-revolution in their respective spirits, doctrines, and methods, loves the counter-revolution and Christian order, and hates the revolution and anti-order, and makes of this love and this hatred the axis around which revolve all his ideals, preferences, and activities. Unquote. Plinio Correa de Oliveira actualized this lifelong ideal. For instance, as president of the Brazilian TFP, he had a decisive role in the contemporary history of Brazil, alerting and directing public opinion at crucial moments. His many public stands against socialist-inspired confiscatory so-called land reforms, beginning in 1960 with the bestseller Land Reform, A Question of Conscience, were decisive in awakening the vital forces of the nation. Brazil is an agricultural giant, dependent on its farming and in the need of more farmers to cultivate its immense empty fertile lands. Preventing the enemies of private ownership from implementing their disastrous policies and destroying Brazil's farming base, Plinio Correa de Oliveira saved Brazil from communism. Land reforms, like those he defeated in Brazil, have inflicted untold misery on the populations of Cuba, Nicaragua, Ukraine, and so many other countries once behind the Iron Curtain. Likewise, his timely denunciations of communist infiltration of the Church alerted Catholic public opinion, thwarting communism's only chance to gain popular influence in Catholic Brazil. One of these denunciations is particularly memorable. The 1968 petition to Pope Paul VI, signed by over 1.6 million Brazilians, requesting measures against leftist infiltration of Catholic circles. With the signatures collected in other South American countries, the total surpassed two million. In 1976, given communism's renewed activity in Brazil, and especially the magnitude of its infiltration of Catholic circles, Plinio Correa de Oliveira published the Church in the Face of the Growing Communist Threat, an Appeal to the Silent Bishops. 
Distributed throughout the country, the book revived the anti-communist sentiment of important sectors of public opinion. According to the Rome-based journalist Rocco Morabito, the book was to be seen on Vatican desks as well. Another of Professor Correa de Oliveira's works merits special mention. Indian Tribalism, Communist Missionary Ideal for Brazil in the 21st Century. Published in 1977, it denounces a new development of progressivism, the neo-missiology of communist structuralist orientation, which advocates a system even more radical than the failed Soviet-style state capitalism. In this work, Plinio Correa de Oliveira foresaw the radical environmentalist demands made 15 years later by NGOs at the 1992 Earth Summit in Rio. Professor Correa de Oliveira's most widely published work was What Does Self-Managing Socialism Mean for Communism? A Barrier or a Bridgehead? This 1981 expose and analysis of the platform of newly elected French President Mitterrand appeared in full or summary in magazines and newspapers in 52 countries. Some 33.5 million copies circulated internationally. Prior to Mitterrand's election, the expression self-managing socialism had become the rage in leftist circles worldwide, virtually assuming the qualities of a talisman. The French Socialist Party affirmed its determination to use France's prestige and cultural influence to promote self-managing socialism around the globe. Mitterrand elaborated a foreign policy of ideological expansionism and political interventionism. The repercussion of Professor Correa de Oliveira's expose, according to political and historic commentators, was certainly a factor, perhaps the greatest factor, in the decline of self-managing socialism. Its proponents contented themselves with the enjoyment of office, lacking the dynamism to attain their grandiose goals. In his 1965 address to the Third Latin American Lithuanian Congress, convened in Sao Paulo, Plinio Correa de Oliveira suggested an international petition asking President Lyndon Johnson to make Baltic independence a condition for dialogue with Soviet Russia. Nothing came of the idea at the time. Twenty-five years later, however, at a decisive moment in the Soviet crisis, the Brazilian TFP, under his direction, embarked on a campaign in support of a free Lithuania. Its sister organizations immediately joined the effort, expanding it across six continents. The resulting petition drive, which gathered over 5.2 million signatures, is registered in the 1993 Guinness Book of Records as history's largest. Most importantly, this campaign, according to the Lithuanian government, undeniably aided the Baltic nation's successful quest for independence from Soviet occupation. This concludes Part 1 of Plenio Correa de Oliveira, Man of Faith and Action. Thank you for listening. 
Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please remember that we published a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. There are two ways to make sure that you don't miss future episodes. The first way is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. We ask subscribers to give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out the motivation behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2022 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.